Hello, and welcome to Wands and Fronds, the weekly podcast where we cover magic, herbalism, and more. I'm Nick. And I'm Shannon. And we are your co-hosts. So this week, I'm talking about money magic for the new year, since we've just had Witch's New Year. Money, money, well, money, money. Was that two days ago? Yeah, two days ago. Did you do anything fun for Samhain? Oh my gosh. So I did work that day, which is discrimination. Uh, I just want to say it's discrimination. It's homophobia. <laughs> um, and so I didn't end up doing anything until last night, which I was, I was like, because, you know, Tuesday's my day off. So, but yeah, um, didn't get home. Didn't get home till kind of late. So we watched a horror movie. And of course, I've had my decorations out for like a couple of weeks now. Um, and yeah, it was great. I love that. A plus plus yeah. plus plus. I love Samhain. I mean, I made lamb stew like I do every year doing like the ancestor veneration stuff because my Mimi used to make lamb stew when I was a kid. And we watched the Vavitch, the witch with um, Anya Taylor. Joy, is that her name? Oh yeah, I just um, I just saw last night in Soho. This yeah, week too. I love her. I love that goldfish looking bitch. She is amazing. <laughs> She's like uh, one of my favorites. No, I I I did want to add. I put out some Virgin Mary candles uh, where like all of my altar stuff is right now. Yeah, uh, because I always burn Virgin Mary candles in October. So. It's not, it's not a religious thing. It's just a, it's just a thing I like to do this yeah. time of year. So I mean, wouldst thou like to live deliciously? Indeed, we question would. of Indeed the month. We would. Um, yeah. So this week, I'm really excited. I'm actually talking about one of my very favorite herbs, skull cap, and the OG mommy dearest, the spooky lady herself, Hera. <laughs> Oh my God. Uh, she is so spooky and also kind of a bad bitch. So I'm excited for this one because I don't have to, I don't have to do it. So I just get to like sit back. <laughs> yeah. You guys, y'all might hear Willow's like jangling her collar. She's got an itch. And since we're recording on zoom now, it's fun because it means there's one audio track. So it's really hard for me to edit stuff like that out. So, um, yay. But those of you that are watching, will probably see Willow popping up a little bit because she's roaming around today. Wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I know we have a lot to get to Nick. So let's talk yeah, let's about do it. money. Let's talk about money. Show magic. me the money. Show me the money or, or, or um, like from Parks and Recreation, I love the money, please, money, please. Money, please. <laughs> um, so I had to yes. do it at least once, but just to get it out of my system. Uh, so for this week's segment, perhaps in the vein of witchy basics is what I was thinking, uh, although we didn't officially decide. So I just kind of it's like it's like an ode to bay leaves and also like a witchy basics money magic. So I, uh, I love that. And I do have to pop in and say I I didn't go super in-depth in it, but I did. We have an annual bay leaf ritual that we do on Samhain. And so we did another bay leaf ritual on Samhain as well. So this is like perfect timing. I'm like, it's that time of year, just bay leaves yeah. and everything. Uh, totally. But no, it's like, it's like we had our anniversary. Like we did officially decide that Samhain is the witch's new year. Uh, scientifically speaking, um, that is true. And what could possibly help us more in the new year than some money? Uh, and since none of you have yet to be forthcoming with the bags of rubies that we have requested. Which we'll still accept. 
I, we will gladly <laughs> accept them better late than never. Uh, so even your favorite podcasters sometimes need a little financial boost too. Oh, speaking of a boost, we do have a winner for our free tarot reading contest based on our Apple reviews. So before I dive in, we did want to announce that at the beginning and end of this episode. So I'm a little late here. Um, but what was it? Uh, bear something? Mousy bear. Mousy bear. I'm so sorry, mousy bear. Uh, but you won. Yay. So, so tell us who you are. So tell us who you are. Hit us up on Instagram or at wantsandfrontspod at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll do a little tarot reading with you. Um, yeah, and thank you to everyone who wrote reviews. And in particular, Mousy Bear, a very sweet review. So we were excited that you were the yeah. winner. Uh, we really appreciate everyone who took the time to do that. And if you haven't, you can definitely still do that, even though you, you can't still, win a free I mean, tarot reading. You can't, you can't win a free tarot reading anymore. Sorry, you missed out. But still leave us a review. And if you feel really bad, a bag of rubies goes a long way towards uh, forgiveness. Okay. True that. I will, I will forgive a lot for a bag of rubies, admittedly. Yeah. So, anywho. But I... So we're talking about money magic today. I also feel like it's pertinent with the upcoming like commercial holiday season. Like even if we don't celebrate those holidays, like it is expensive to go visit family. It's expensive to go do all the shit, all the fun winter shit, ice skating, sleigh rides, etc. Um, it's like you just hemorrhage money starting like the end of October for us through february for me personally oh, sure. yeah because it's like we've got and then you've got your partner's birthday exactly it's like there's Halloween. In there too november 13th is my wedding anniversary uh-huh. then there's thanksgiving and then there's christmas and then my partner's birthday uh-huh. and then that's why valentine's day is always like our fun cheapo tradition where we stay in and make food and usually watch something fun like abraham lincoln vampire hunter <laughs> So, right. because we're out of money by then, we're broke. You're just, you're just broke. Okay. Yeah. But so we're talking money magic. It's a good timing. All right. Uh, so we've come to the natural answer, which is witchcraft. And while we do have a delightfully and appropriately mean QWP today, which I will save for later, uh, this segment also comes with a classic wands and fronds disclaimer, which is basically that there's two things I really don't fuck with, magically speaking, and that's uh, money magic and love magic. Uh, Unless you're taking it super seriously, like these are not really like trivial things to be messing around with magically. So um, we love y'all. We do, but yeah. you should be careful. You Proceed be care- with caution. You should be careful with this kind of shit. Yeah. Because uh, we don't want to lead you down a path to ruin here. and we. But we do want you to end up with serviceable ideas for your very own money magic that you could do at home. So, uh, and it's really, yeah, just more of a heads up. It's pretty specific stuff to ask the universe for. So we also recommend like putting in the maintenance and preparation that you need to really focus on your money making intentions. And that I think is going to make all the difference between a, a money spell success and a money spell uh, failure, um, which we don't want. So just a little something to think about. Uh, I do think like a good thing to have in mind when you're doing money magic is what you ultimately would do with said money. Uh, Or like to put it another way, like what does prosperity really mean to you uh, in the bigger context besides just money? And maybe I 
I personally think it's like better to ask for prosperity, whatever that means to you, than maybe money specifically. So like when you're setting those intentions, I feel like that's a more important thing to focus on. And it's like, for instance, if you were to ask for prosperity and you became romantically involved with someone wealthy and you still got to like go out on nice dinners and vacations, fancy gifts, like what's really the difference between that and you just getting a bunch of money, like probably not a lot, except no money actually changes hands. So yeah. And I, something that I like to do on that uh, note, I was going to say, it's just an example of, of yeah, yeah. Go on. Yeah, yeah. I was just gonna say something else that I like to do kind of in that vein and like thinking about what prosperity means to you is to also think about like what you'd be able to give back if you yes. were to have that type of wealth. That's almost always something that I include. It's like if I'm able to like achieve this level of whatever, it's like I would be able to commit to giving this back to these communities. So that's something else I think that it's not just about what you get, but it's also about what you're able to do with that. Right. And you know, it's like, I cover that when we talk about the prosperity jar too, because it's like, yeah, it's like new car, new house, fancy vacations, but it is also like more charitable things that you could afford to do or even like just helping out people you know you know it's like it sucks seeing like when like friends struggle and yeah oh yeah eric and i have always said we're like if we were to win the lottery it's like we have a list of people that we would just like pay off everything for it's like a lot of friends it's like if we had that level of money it's like do you have any bills they're all paid for yeah do you have some bills you need to pay off like yeah here you go. Uh, but okay, so I think we can finally like dig into like a spell that we were talking about. That would be a good uh and Shannon has a little show and tell for this one too. So uh it's a classic one. Like if you were to Google money magic after you go through a million pages of street magicians, uh you get to stuff like this, which is the money bowl. Bring it, bring us your money bowl, Shannon. So um I had a money bowl which Shannon is showing us her money bowl. For those of you that are not watching, you should be watching, Um, which was a lovely earthenware bowl from Mexico that Faye broke. Um, So no more money bowl for me for the time being. So thank you for, thank you for sharing Shannon. Um, (laughs) And I I do want to say I bought this from a black witch on Etsy. So again, like when you're thinking about purchasing things, you can also think about like, who you're buying things from because for me I wouldn't want to necessarily purchase a prosperity bowl from fucking Whole Foods or some mall you know it's like right I purchased this bowl and she had done a collection of crystals and then I added some things into it as well which you'll talk about but it's like again all of it is important if you're doing prosperity work you know and um I actually was talking about I think this is like a good witchy basics, just like a simple spell that you can do. Um, So, and I I never am like, y'all should watch this other video because we're trying to do our own videos. But uh, I I just found it was like a nice, short, sweet, simple video about making a money bowl from Witch of Wonderlust on YouTube. That's W-O-N, Wonderlust. Thank you very much. Um, and yeah, I really had to dig through so much bad street magic because if you're looking at money magic, it's like making hundred dollar bills disappear and then pulling them out 
of your own wallet or whatever is like the first 10 pages. It's like on- Chris Angel and Joe Bluth. Get out of yeah. here. We're talking about real magic. Yeah, we're talking about witchcraft, not street magic. Okay, but um, Witch of Wonderlust, it was very good. It was very, uh, I, it was like, I was like, this is exactly what I would want to do to do like a money spell video with just a little bit of like paid product advertising at the beginning, like a palatable amount, you know. Um, but so basically the spell takes something that you maybe already have. Um, so we were talking about how all of it's important. And so she had chosen a mug, which is from like her personal Etsy store to use as the bowl because she's trying to specifically make money from her Etsy store. Love that. So that's another good example of like how all the little pieces should have specific meanings as well. And like how she had put in foreign currency coins, like it looked like some some pesos and shit, but um, some like foreign currency coins because she wants to be able to use the money to travel, which I also really, as a Sagittarius moon and someone who is always planning a ridiculous trip, I'm like, yes. So, um, so yeah, like think about the bowl, think about the money you're putting into it. But I think a lot of people out there probably have a change bowl, or at least like, I know growing up, both my parents had a change bowl in like the same spot in their room. (laughs) See, we had one of those, um, the water cooler, like the big jugs that we filled with change. And when it was full, we went to SeaWorld. So love that. (laughs) Um, which also kind of makes sense for what we're talking about because you used a water vessel and then you went to SeaWorld. There are so many things that our grandparents do that are witchcraft. (laughs) (laughs) They just don't call it that. They just, it's not because Jesus would get mad, but. Jesus said no. Jesus is the only one allowed to turn tricks. Right. That's true. Uh, but okay. So we're talking about the, the money bowl. Um, so you do you do want some actual money in it, like some at, at the very least your your little collection of pennies, um, your or pocket change, you know. Sort yeah, sort the lint out, you know. Uh, be respectful of the process, but you you want you're gonna want to put some actual coins in there. Um, I would even say because I used to love these as a kid, and since we're talking about money magic. And like how gold is a good thing to put in here as well. Pyrite. Yes, of course. Um, get Go out and get some Sacagawea coins from the bank. I love that. Because I'm like, it's gold. It's a coin. It's $1 only. And I think going out of your way to get like a special coin to do a money bowl would make it like just that much more clutch for you. Uh, but I'm like rabbit trailing on the Sacagawea coin. So you've got your... You've got your bowl, you've picked a bowl, you've got some money, maybe go get a Sacagawea coin. Like, I'm just really feeling drawn to tell people this. Also, I don't know if y'all noticed, I'm wearing green today. I'm wearing a green t-shirt. I like dug one out for this episode. I'm proud of you. I'm wearing black. Shocking to everyone. (laughs) And so here's the fun wands and fronds part where it's like, yeah, you've got money in a bowl. That's just a change bowl. How is this witchcraft? Where is the magic coming in? It's here. It's here, you guys. It's herbs. Surprise. Fucking wands and fronds made them the witchcraft about herbs. I know. Um, we, we did that for you. And um, so first of all, I think basil's going to be my top pick here. 
um, because it's like, it's always comes up with money magic. It also just smells really good. It's delicious. It's an easier herb to grow for a lot of people in America. Um, all of which I'm like, yeah, put some fresh basil in there and like keep changing it out. Cause this is a spell you're going to like work and rework and tweak and kind of like keep it moving. So it's fine. Like if your basil wilts, add a fresh leaf again, you know, it's like the incense that you burn, you're going to want to reburden them. Like, I mean, and just to like take a little rabbit trail, if you don't have a money bowl and you don't want to build one, but you have a pot of basil, you could always put like a piece of pyrite and a coin in your basil pot and use and, that as your prosperity bowl. And so, so yeah, the, the, the basil pot becomes the prosperity bowl, which I love, but I'm like, yeah, basil number one, but also it's like, there, there's like a whole collection of these where it's, it's like bay and sage as well, where it's like green leaves resemble money and are therefore good for money magic, uh, which seems to be like the main sort of connection is like the green color representing money. Um, so there's like a whole little collection, uh, again, basil, sage, bay leaves. Bay leaves we're going to talk about a lot in this segment because bay leaves have like a very traditional connection with money and prosperity and manifesting in general. So it's like bay leaves are up there, but I like basil more. And fuck you, it's my podcast, not yours. So, but okay. So the next grouping of herbs though is, and this is, I'm going to, I'm kind of like naming the groups for this one. I don't know. I was high and I was like, I thought it was funny, but um, why does, I'm calling this the, why does everyone always forget gold collection? Um, So like Marigold, which is in season right now because it was just day of the dead. So like a lot of stores probably have good deals on marigolds right now. Um, Chamomile and sunflowers when they're in season, um, all kind of representing gold. Um, We also kind of talk later about honey. Honey also generally represents prosperity. Uh, A lot of hard work goes into like just getting honey to your house. Uh, And I feel like that's like very representative of like, it's, it's got that connotation of gold and it's got that connotation of prosperity, but it's like prosperity through hard work specifically uh, rather than just like money. Uh, I feel like there's like a work aspect to like the, the money making powers of honey, whereas some of this other is just like financial. It's like honey is hard work, but it's it's good. It's powerful stuff. But it's like, why does everyone always forget gold? You always read. It's like if you want to dress a candle, to do a money spell, they're like, green, 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 money, money, money. And I'm like, okay, but my random side note here, though, is like, if any of y'all work with, like, ancestors or, like, gods or deities or, like, anything that's, like, older than, like, 200 years old, they didn't have green money back then. It's like, gold is a lot older and a lot more universal as, like, a symbol for wealth, well, and even today, it's like green money is also it's, not worldwide. No, it's like it's like the Canadian money is like rainbow. It's like yeah. rainbow money. Lots of people have much prettier like money than America. Yeah, it's like they have pretty money. They have rainbow money. I like I like the red and like the red and white money you get you see from China sometimes. It's like 
green money is not that big of a big of a hoopla, but everyone's like green, 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 money, 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 money. And it's like to me, I'm like gold. Like you cannot forget gold, you guys. It's like, but then I'm like, uh, I sound like fucking gold member over here, but it's like gold, y'all. You sound like you're trying to buy all of our gold for less. (laughs) (laughs) I'll give you money for your gold and I will give you a free shipping envelope and you just send me your gold and we'll pay you cash for gold. It's like this suspiciously sounds like a call from a dragon, but I promise this is a human asking to buy your gold. Yes, obviously. Uh, don't, yeah, don't ruin it, Shannon, for fuck's sake. Anywho, so, but yeah, why are we forgetting gold? Um, gold is, is money, please, okay? Like, I'm sorry, but it just, to me, it's more of a thing. Uh, but back to the money bowl, because we keep rabbit trailing here. Um, and a few more herbs that are going to be good ads to your money bowl, your prosperity bowl, cinnamon and allspice. Uh, and I'm putting these in the family. Uh, apparently, spicy smells attract money. But it's not just that, although I am lumping cinnamon in with allspice for that one. But but I've heard that the reason that people associate cinnamon with money in witchcraft is that it looks like a rolled up bill, like the way the bark is curled up. And I'm like, a cokehead says that. Yeah, I'm like, that's that is not what I've heard. But anyone on the video saw I was like sniffing my bowl earlier and it's because it's got cinnamon in it. Yeah. Um, And I know cinnamon also used to be like expensive, which I think is more of what I have heard other than it looks like a Coke straw. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, (laughs) what Coke head was like, it's, it's cinnamon because it looks like a rolled up dollar bill. And I was like, who else but a Coke head is rolling up their dollar bills? Yeah, no, uh, one. no one. Um, but also allspice, which I'm like, has that a delightfully spicy scent. And it's like all of the spices from the spice islands, really. So like, I would say invite nutmeg to this party if that's what you got. Like, Love it, her. like nutmeg used to be fancy, too. OK, nutmeg is still fancy. Have you ever had a good bechamel? I, I mean, I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying it used to be like fancy fancy to get nutmeg yeah so if we go if we're going for that on cinnamon too it's like you might as well throw nutmeg in there i feel like nutmeg is due a renaissance so hopefully (laughs) she gets her time again oh my god nutmeg come back to the party we miss you any i'm i'm so sorry but do you remember that time way back in the day when i like ate a whole nutmeg because i thought i was gonna get high from it Oh, yeah. No, there was that thing where they're like, if you eat enough nutmeg, it'll get you stoned. Uh, turns out it has to be like a lot. It's a lot of nutmeg. Of nutmeg. <laughs> and, and, one, and one nut of nutmeg uh, does not get you high, but it, not does, but it does give you a tummy ache. So hmm. um, Ouch. it's a lesson learned, y'all. Uh, <laughs> Being young and broke is silly. It is. So uh, so for this spell, though, for this spell, um, now that we're done talking about getting high, um, you take your little bowl of change and you add your herbs, which now it's magic. Um, but also you want to write down like your money manifestations. So in the video, which I encourage you all to watch, um, and we've talked about this before, where like you write something 
three or five times and then you do like a 90 degree rotation and then you write it across three or five more times and then you do a 90 degree rotation and then you write it across again. So you end up with like a, a grid, like a grid pattern of like intersecting lines. Um, and you can have like three different mantras that you're trying to manifest or like one that you're writing over and over and over and over and over and over and over, and over again. Um, and then you sign it with like your fancy signature, like a check, which I liked it was like her flourish at the end. I was like, oh, yes. Like your fancy, like your doctor signature, like, you know, that shit you do. That's all like one squiggly line. Um, that that signature. Yeah, um, I love that. Love, love. Um, so, and then you fold it up and, and seal it and put it, you can put it in the bottom and like have everything weigh it down. You can like seal it with wax, which is what she does, but it's gotta be in there. Okay. That's like that. And, and y'all know me. I love a spell that requires writing because you have to think about it. You have to like think it out beforehand. It also helps you like visualize what you're wanting, what you're doing, um, which is important for me as someone with ADD, like I need that extra bit of help to like focus when I'm doing stuff like this. So, um, I like anything you have to write out. It feels very powerful to me to do so. Um, which is why all of my drawers are filled with little notebooks and journals and, um, little handwritten notes, uh, because I'm also a very messy person. If y'all, if y'all didn't like gather that about me, uh, I am a pretty messy person. So we fold it up. It's nice and neat. I think, I think you do get extra points for tidiness here. And then, so to keep this spell going, you can burn a basil dressed candle. I did uh, like that. Um, she used like an oil blend, but it had basil in it. Um, it's like a basil dressed candle. Um, you can also burn like a cinnamon or bay incense. They do sell bay incense, but you can also just light the edge of a leaf and blow it out. And if you're safe and careful, you guys, we do not want you burning your house down. You can burn a bay leaf as an incense in a little yeah. bowl. You I can mean, do that. we burn bay leaves all the time. Like part of that bay leaf ritual we do every Samhain, we bury one, burn one, and put one in a jar of honey. So, oh yeah, oh, and they smell great. And they do, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's a very nice smell. But so you want to keep the energy flowing. Like you want to put a little bit in, take a little bit out. Um, Oh, when I was talking about gold stuff, I meant to mention pyrite. Shannon's got some pyrite in her prosperity bowl. And I will we'll also talk about that a little bit with the uh, the prosperity jar. Um, but this one you want to keep going. So like if you have a little pocket money, you could throw it in the bowl and then take it back out and like put it back into circulation. But you want to keep like the energy flowing through this. So if you want to keep lighting candles, if you want to keep burning bay leaves, keep burning cinnamon, um, put a little money in, take a little money out. This is one you just want to like keep up the maintenance on, which is, I was saying in the beginning, it's like maintenance is so important here. Like this is not the set it and forget it spell. The next spell is the set it and forget it spell. And it's kind of like up there with the money bowl as like the thing you're going to see if you just Google money magic. But before you jump into that, I I wanted to talk about the bowl thing that I really have enjoyed. And I just started doing this as I just wrote down and I'm carrying it with me. Nick, I know you love writing things down. Oh, I yeah. Oh, my God. We've got a handwritten note, you guys. We have a handwritten note. It's this like green parchment and it's like a piece of like 
fancy um like drawing paper that I yeah, yeah. watercolored green and then I like wrote my manifestation stuff on it right and I've folded it up and I'm carrying it with me during the day and then at night tucking it under the prosperity bowl oh so it's like keeping I, that energy moving I, I and I was also saying like if you have like a spot in your house where you put your wallet or your purse at the end of the day, like you could just put it with the prosperity bowl, you know, that would be a yeah. good spot for the prosperity bowl. Totally. You could put your wallet in the prosperity bowl at night if you wanted to, I which is what, that. which is what I used to do. Cause it was just the right size. Like there was like just enough room at the top to like put my wallet on top at the end of the day. And it was on my little table. I also had a seashell in there, which had nothing to do with the prosperity, but I, I put little seashells everywhere and they end up in my spells too. So um, I think that has everything to do with you. So it is part of the prosperity. It's part, it's part of, it's part of the prosperity. That's right. It's, it's money. So I can go to the beach. Obviously. Yeah. Um, wow. duh. Uh, well now, 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 now she's got me thinking about it. I'm like the seashell. Yeah. The seashell was to go to the beach, which I've done many times since starting that spell. So is it working? It is. It's working. <laughs> it's working. And I just uh, go to Santa Monica a lot uh, because my friend lives in LA. So <laughs> it's you. It's Shannon, you guys. Uh, we're talking about Shannon. But no, uh, but yeah, keeping it where you put your wallet. It feels like a good spot to me. Um, but now we're going to talk about the abundance jar. This one I like. It is a set it and forget it spell. And this one I do like because what I was talking about earlier, where it's like you're thinking about what prosperity means to you, not necessarily just imagining a huge pile of money, like in Scrooge McDuck's vault that you dive into and swim. Um, it's like, what do you do after that? Like, where do you go with that money after you swim in it? And what are you going to pay for? And like, what blessings are going to come into your life if you're wealthier? Um and so you really have to think all of this out for this one. And so this one, very simple ingredients, uh, a jar of honey. Uh, maybe you could just buy honey that's already in a jar. I've seen it at the store. So that could save you some steps. Wait, I'm sorry. What fancy ass store are you going to that has jarred honey? What? I know, I know, I know you guys. <laughs> so bougie. <laughs> Uh, but if you, but you know, if you don't want to use a bunch of honey and you, you could really stack these things up and just put them in a jar to like a stack of money. Hold on. I'm going to grab mine. Yeah. 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 Um, so we're talking, you need a jar, you need some honey, you need some bay leaves. And then I, oh, see, yeah, she, she, Shannon's got a little jar, little jar. Look, the bay leaves fit in there. It's nice. It's cute. There would even be room in there for like a little tiny piece of pyrite if you wanted to. There is. And my hands are very small for reference. Yeah. So a little jar like that. Um, I actually, sometimes we get little maple syrups from my roommate's work that come in those little jars. Yeah. I think um, this one was like a little mustard. Oh, perfect. Yeah. But yeah. So sometimes you can just buy honey in a jar. Uh, I know like the honey that I buy does have like a little jar version, which I like. Uh, I mean, they all taste the same, but the jar is cute. For fuck's sake, we're witches. We we have jar problems. Okay. We have a lot of jars. Get off of <laughs> our back. Uh, but okay. So you need a jar of honey. 
And then you're writing down all of the things that money would bless your life with. Uh, obviously, the, the obvious ones, a new car, a new boat, uh, like a sweet jet ski that you could do tricks on. Um, or like, you know, like not having to worry about your health because you can afford a doctor, uh, better schools for your kids, like the ability to help people close to you, the ability to give back to the community and just like really let it all out. Like the more leads you end up with, the better, like you're getting specific vibes to the universe to work with. And that's so important for this kind of spell work is to really like paint a picture. Okay. It's like. It's like the Bailey version of your when I'm rich vision board. Okay. So you put them into the jar of honey, you guys. It's pretty simple, you know, and it's like, like I said, bring some gold into it. Honey is bringing an element of gold, but I'm like, gold it up. Put some chamomile in there. Put a, put a Sacagawea coin in there. Okay. Put a tiny little piece of pyrite in there. Cause I'm, I'm seriously like, I'm like bay leaves everywhere gold everywhere all right that's what we're doing that's the theme of the week gold bay leaves if you're gonna do money magic you might as well just lean into it golden bay leaves all right um but yeah that's it uh and for this one i do recommend so for both of these spells i think starting it on the new moon makes the most sense that's like when you should start manifestation work plant seeds on the new moon yep so um, I'm just I'm just going to leave that there and just say that should be obvious to you. Um, and for the money jar, I'm like, it should be near the entrance to your house because it's all about attracting. It's like an attracting energy. It's like a magnet that's going to bring this stuff into your life. And like the entry to your house is that kind of portal to the rest of the world. And that's where your money is going to come from. Like you're not just going to find a giant bag of money already in your house. If there was already a giant yeah. bag of money in your house, you would have found it already. But if you do find it, feel free to share it with your favorite podcast co-hosts. That's true. Um, but no, so by the entrance to your house, and it's like, honestly, I would say, if you feel weird about having stuff like that out in the open, like a jar of honey and leaves, a tiny little guy could easily hide on your shoe rack. Look at that little guy. Well, I mean, some of y'all can't see, but look at the little guy. That could fit on your shoe rack or your little change catching table. Or I would say you could have a little table at your entryway that's both uh, for, for your. Do. <laughs> right. I mean, um... I also have like cute artwork on mine and my like key tray. And like that's where my mail comes. So it is like a very transitory space. Yeah. And, and it's like that's yeah. that's exactly where this kind of thing should be basically. Um, so while you're coming and going, you look at it, you think about it, maybe you give it a little shake, give it a little shaky shake uh, on like a nice sunny day. You know, you could put it out for some for some sun rays, which also have big gold energy. Uh, that's why the Egyptians loved it gold so much is because it like represents the sun and like, you know, it works the other way. You guys yeah. are just gonna have to trust me on this one. Um, Thanks, Ra. No, thank you, Ra. And, um, but I also wanted to like throw in a quickie before we move on to the QWP. Um, and I would say just writing the word money or like dollar signs on a bay leaf before you burn it, uh, is like a really quick way to do a money manifestation spell. 
Bay is really intrinsically tied to money, regardless of the green color, um, because it's, you know, like the use of Bay for prosperity magic does predate green money. So it's not all green money hoopla uh, for that one. Um, but it's like, I'm also like enough of a firebug that if I had a little bottle of bay leaves out where I smoke my cig on the patio, like I would just do it. Yeah. I mean, I had a friend give me a big bunch of bay leaves because her mom has like a little bay tree and they're oh, sitting sure. in like a jar on my altar. And I, I use bay leaves a lot <laughs> in oh, my sure. magic, but I, I burn one constantly for me so like for this honey with the bay leaf jar that i'm like showing you guys this is our we do it on Samhain every year so this is the second year we've done it and honey if you store it correctly in a clean vessel will stay good for like decades right and so me and my partner plan to every year until the jar just is either full or like gets funky every year we're each going to add a new bay leaf and it's things that we want to like grow over the next year so it's like things that we have but that we want to like continue to like cultivate and grow and then there's something that we want and we plant that out by my favorite tree definitely give some wine to the fae at the same time oh yeah and then something we want to leave we write on a bay leaf and burn it so it's like i love doing the things in threes and we do it every Samhain and it stays this jar stays like on our entertainment center for a moon cycle And then it goes next to the prosperity jar on that, or the prosperity bowl on the entry table. So it's like, they live together. They live together. Yeah. So yeah. And it's like, and yeah, honey doesn't, doesn't really go bad. Uh, And it's kind of one of those things where it's like, yeah, it's like bay, you know, Yeah. we love bay leaves for this kind of shit. It smells good too, by the way. We opened it this year because I I keep it closed all year because I don't want stuff getting in and out of it. But when I opened it to add the new bay leaves this year, I was like, oh, it's like delicious, like bay, bay honey. Like it's really good. And uh, so we are officially the bay hive. Oh my God. We are the bay hive. <laughs> oh my God. Um, and uh, that's when we lost all of our listeners. <laughs> and that's when everyone <laughs> tuned out. Uh, but yeah, so, you know, you can, you can write little manifestations, even if they aren't money related onto a bay leaf and then burn it. Yeah. Yeah, totally. You get a little, little pyro. It's all intention. It really is. So it's like, if you're one of those people that burning it feels like good for your manifestation, do it. If you're someone who feels like I like the idea of planting things for manifestation. Right. So I do that. Oh, wait, and it's, a green witch planting things. I know. It's fucking weird. And I love doing it with bay leaves because it's not bad for the fucking environment. I can plant a leaf with a little something right. written on it and it's going to be fine. Not like planting a whole fucking spell jar with like glass and shit. That's going to break and like cut up a bunch of like squirrel paws in a couple of years. Oh my God. Think of the squirrel paws, you guys. Yeah, They're so small. <laughs> um, right. Okay. So this is like the right amount of righteous indignation to go into this fucking QWP with, because oh we're God. talking about the prosperity gospel. Yuck. Uh, so I hate the prosperity gospel. I grew up in the church, like so many people. And if you're not familiar, because we've talked about on the podcast before, but basically 
when you hear people talk about the prosperity gospel, it tends to be a thing that like white evangelicals use to justify them being wealthy and other people not because it's like, mm-hmm. we're wealthy because we're in church and we prayed right. And, you know, the poor people just aren't praying right, or they don't believe in Jesus the right way. It's kind of a way that they've used to like make themselves feel better about not actually helping their communities. But it also has started like more and more bleeding into like the woo community. This idea of like, well, if you're impoverished, it's totally your fault because like, you're just not manifesting right. Or you're putting out low vibrations. And if you just put out high vibrations, you'd be making six figures a year. And like, no, <laughs> like you can't like vibrate away systemic inequality and like in, in horrible, like racism and sexism and decades and decades and decades worth of like bullshit in the capitalist structure. So yes, you can like use money magic and like help yourself feel better about money and your relationship with money. And there's all sorts of stuff that magic can help with, but I get really pissed off when I see these fucking witches that are just like, come sign up for my prosperity webinar. And let me teach you how I went from making nothing to making six figures using magic and good vibes. It's like, no, honey, that's a business. And that's okay. It's okay to run spiritual business, but it's not okay to tell people that they too can become wealthy if they just do the right magic, because that's not how it fucking works. It's like, you're pretty and you're white and you started doing webinars. That's how you made six figures. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but it's also like, I feel like even on like a lower level than that, it's just like, even the people that have this feeling of that they've done something like they're, they're somehow like smarter yeah, or or like more of a free spirit. And it's like, no, actually like you're just privileged. You were just born on third base. It's a lot easier to get a home run that way. Right. Um, and it's like, I even have friends where I'm like, you are my friend. I love you. But you're also just so wrong about mm-hmm. like money and prosperity stuff. And it's like, you're you're not better than the people that you, you know, where it's like people are like, oh, I, I would never live in that neighborhood. And it's like, uh, you're in, it's like, uh, yeah, you're so privileged to be able to say that. Yeah. It's like, wow fuck you, first of all, from the people in that neighborhood. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, I think Nick and I both grew up pretty fucking poor. Uh, Uh We've talked about it a little bit. And this idea of like, you know, that somehow being a moral failing is disgusting. It's like, okay, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna vibe my way to being a millionaire. And it's like, no, if I become a millionaire, it's gonna be because I worked my ass off at something. Yeah, and probably a little bit of luck thrown in there. Let's be honest, like, that's what happens. Like, that's not, right. yeah, it's just frustrating. And I hate this idea of the prosperity gospel, because I think it also has, like, the negative effect of, like, kids that are growing up poor hearing this over and over and over and feeling like they did something wrong or like their family did something wrong. And it's like, no, your poverty is not your fault. Like at all. Sometimes, I mean, I'm sure there are always exceptions to the rule, but the vast majority of cases, it's like, people don't choose to be poor. It's like, I heard this fucking comment from one of my partner's family members talking about the homeless people in Austin. It's like, well, you know, some of them want to be homeless. And I just like my brain melted and slipped out of my ears in that moment because I was like, how do you even fucking respond to something like that? And it's and it's that deeply ingrained idea of like, 
well, we're doing okay because we love Jesus and we ask to be doing okay. So if they're not, they probably want them. It. Yeah. yeah. It's just like, oh, ooh, it's, it's well, so and it's like, and it's, and it's like on that note too, I would say, you know, speaking of Jesus, like putting, putting rich people on a pedestal is, is QWP as well. You know, it's like, I am by no stretch of the imagination a Christian, but I respect Jesus as a spiritual leader from history, if nothing oh, else. Like, yeah. And the fact that Jesus was, and like literally almost every other like major religious leader in the world in history, Buddha, Jesus, the prophet Muhammad, Moses, probably. Um, <laughs> Moses, probably. Uh, you know, is is like money is evil. It's like you can see it. It's like uh, and like if I feel like in modern culture where you have I I mean you know sue me, but it's like fucking Ky- the Kylie Jenners of the world. Kylie Jenner is not a brilliant businesswoman. She slaps her name on things and makes millions of dollars. Yeah, I I listened to this um for a long time when I was in the church and like going through, I kind of think of it as like my transition out of the church. There is this like really great theologian, Rob Bell, who was like, at one point was like a sweetheart of evangelicals and then got kind of like kicked out of the church for uh, postulating that maybe hell wasn't real. Um, He's great though. He really is like a great smart guy. And he talked about a lot about how like the Bible is really easy to misread as Americans because it's like, yeah, the Bible is written for like, the Jews and like the poor people that were really under oppression, modern Americans, especially middle-class Americans are fucking Rome. It's like, you are Rome in the Bible. Like it's awfully hard to- You're the Romans. It's really easy to miss all of the fucking points about this when you're the ones in the chariots. And I think that's like an excellent point about American Christianity in particular. Um, But- Fuck the prosperity gospel. Okay. So on that note, <laughs> we're going to transition into talking about Skullcap. So again, you guys that are not watching this are missing out because I'm very excited about show and tell. I've shown so many things today, but this is Skullcap. Um, there's not a lot of it left because I drink it all the time, as does my partner. Uh, so it's Scudelaria is a genus of flowering plants. It's in the mint family, the Lamiaceae family. We do love our mint babies. A lot of them have really good herbal properties. Thank you, mint. Um, The most common name of it is skullcap. That's what you'll see a lot. But they also used to be called uh, mad dog weed, which I think is dope as fuck. That that should be Um, a strain. That should be like- right. Oh, do y'all, have that, do y'all have that mad dog weed? It, it makes you rabid. Uh, but it's because in the 1700s, Skullcap was used as a rabies treatment. Um, we do not recommend that usage. Uh, but I totally am down with calling it like your mad dog weed tincture because that's really dope. Anyway. And um, historically accurate. Truly. Uh, so the name Scutellaria comes to us from the Latin scutella or scutella, which means a small dish or tray or platter. Um, and that refers to the shape of the flower, which kind of looks like a little helmet with like an upturned lip. Um, and the genus has my new favorite word, subcosmopolitan distribution with species occurring nearly worldwide. And subcosmopolitan is just an adjective that means 
almost cosmopolitan and it's used to refer to like species that um, have a range that extends over several continents. And I just love it. Subcosmopolitan. I don't know why. I'm just, I like it. It's like a tiny, it's like a tiny little cosmopolitan that you have after your main cosmopolitan. (laughs) Exactly. Um, So when you read about skullcap and you're like looking into stuff about the herb and like how to use it medicinally in particular, you're actually going to be reading about one of two herbs. So there's American skullcap, which is Scutellaria latiflora and Chinese skullcap, which is Scutellaria, um, by Cal- by <laughs> by Calnensis. It's it's a hey. weird one. I'm not going to be talking about that. But they do treat very different conditions. Um, Chinese skullcap is, of course, found in China and parts of Russia, and that's the herb that's been used for a long time to treat like allergies, cancer, infection, inflammation, and headaches. And a lot of laboratory studies have also been done on the Chinese skullcap variety. And if you're buying seeds online, a lot of times that's also the variety that you're going to find. So just like be aware of that. Um, American skullcap is native to North America, um, specifically throughout the prairie states where there are eight different varieties to be found. Um, And it contains uh, scutellarin, which is a flavonoid compound that has like confirmed uh, sedative and antispasmodic effects. And some of the American skullcap herb uses include it's a mild relaxant. It's commonly used to treat anxiety, nervous disorders, convulsions. So, and while skullcap did like grow wild throughout Europe prior to the colonization of the Americas, um, the North American species was actually the first one to make like a significant mark on Western herbal medicine because European settlers and like folk herbalists learn how to use skullcap from the Native American tribes who had traditionally consumed it as a tea to soothe the nerves. So I think super important to just like recognize a lot of what we know about skullcap and the way it's used was coming from Native Americans, not from Europeans. Europeans just happen to be the ones that were writing about it a lot. Um, But then of course, like those European settlers and herbalists learned how to use it. And then they took it back to Great Britain in the 19th century and introduced it to like more people with like all of these awesome relaxation benefits. So we know it has a lot of uses, which we'll dive into in a bit, but let's start with what it looks like, uh, cause that's important and then how to grow it. So I'm going to be focusing on, uh, Scutellaria lantiflora or American skullcap because it's the one that I have used. It's the one that I have, and it's the one that um, herbalists in California cultivate. I know for sure, and I know it's cultivated outside as well. This is just like I live in California, so this is the one that we have out here. There is actually like a skullcap that's Scutellaria californica that's like specifically native to California, but um, this is the one the North America and skullcap is the one that we'll be talking about today. Um, and the best way to identify skullcap is by its hooded lipped flowers that we talked about. And you guys can Google it um, if I'm not explaining it well, but the flowers are, they're described as blue, but a lot of times with like herbs and plants in general, things that are described as blue really have like kind of a lavenderish tint to it. So these are very much the same way. Like the flowers are kind of like this purplish bluish and they have like sometimes almost all the way to like a cream or a white tip of the flower. And they do, they, they kind of look like two meeting lips with a little like hood on the end of it. I'm like trying to do this with my hands and it's weird. And they point down and they're unidirectional. So all of the flowers on the, on the individual stalk are going to be pointing the same direction. Um, and I want to put like a big red flag out here for y'all right now. Um, this is a plant that is like 
very, very, very often mismarked in commerce. So you'll a lot of times find supplements um, where it's been adulterated with germander and adulterated is like a fancy, but like ominous way of saying substituted. And this is like a big, 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 big problem because germander is liver toxic. So because of the adulteration that's been going on for a long time, there was this like period in the 1990s when skullcap was being basically accused of being a source of liver toxicity. Uh, And then they discovered that the real issue was the germander that was being substituted for it. Um, And there was actually a study as recent as 2011 that determined this is like still happening. The test, I think, looked at like 13 different supplements and found that only five of them didn't contain significant traces of germander. Um, So please like don't source skullcap from big stores or like online from sources that you're not familiar with. Like I would really only purchase this one from very trusted sources. You get one liver, you don't want to fuck it up. Um, And if you're buying your own seeds, I would wait until the plant flowers so you can confirm that it is in fact skullcap before you consume it. So now that you know you actually have skullcap and you're getting like the seeds or the plants, how do you keep them alive? Uh, Skullcap seeds actually germinate at a really high rate naturally, which is awesome. That's something that you don't get with everything, Um, but they do better with a short period of stratification. And so that basically is just cold processing, kind of like what you do with rose seeds. You're just going to like put them in your refrigerator for like a week. And then you're going to start them by lightly tamping them down into soil flats or like something similar for seed starting and then transplant them outdoors when you get the first like true leaves are developed. And so we've talked about it a little bit before, but when the plant first comes out, those are not true leaves. Those are called cotyledon. They're the little like seedling leaves. They all almost all look the same, like two little baby leaves. Those are not true leaves. The true leaves are the next set of leaves that come in and they actually will have the typical shape of the plant that's growing. So the cotyledon, don't transplant it yet. Those are baby seed leaves. They are not prepared for the real world. They're um, not ready. They're, they're not, not ready. ready. They're not don't, ready. Don't push them out of the nest just yet. Um, and this is a plant that wants like partial shade, ideally. You can't get away with a fully shaded area, but it actually naturally grows along like creeks and streams in nature. Um, there is a fancy name that you'll see in like herb guidebooks and stuff for this. It's called a riparian environment. And that's like just the areas where land and water meet. Um, so it like naturally occurs along like babbling brooks. So you can infer from there that it, it likes really rich soil, well draining, but it doesn't want to fully dry out. So, you know, don't drown it. Of course, roots still need oxygen. So if it's just like submerged in water and it's not a bog plant, it'll die. Um, But you don't want it to like completely dry out either or like bake in the direct hot Texas sun. Like that's not something that's gonna, that's not gonna end well. Your plant's gonna die. Um, So let's get on to medicinal uses. Uh, Disclaimer here, I'm not a doctor. This does not constitute medical advice. Please talk to your medical practitioner before embarking on any herbal regimens. Don't use this podcast to diagnose yourself or to develop a treatment regimen. Yeah, you guys know the drill. Um, Although although I will say you can use any of the advice in my segment today as medical advice. So... (laughs) Medical money advice. Um, 
So the most common way that you see this used is as a nervine, like a nerve tonic. It's sedative. So you do want to avoid combining it with other sedative medications. So you don't like overdo it and get yourself all fucked up. Um, and you can remember that it like caps the skull when you're feeling, feeling anxious. Um, and if you have a strong enough preparation, it does actually kind of create that like warm tickly feeling on your head it makes me think of that old like rhyme from when we were kids like crack an egg on your head and the yolk is running down that one i used to i used to hate that so much yeah (laughs) and then they would do the thing on your hair and yeah like i don't know why that works but it works and skullcap has kind of a similar like very deliciously like warming vibe like an Um, egg hat in a good way yeah so it's like that one um but anyway this plant can like help calm your nerves bring on sleep ease pain especially like headaches and back pain so skullcap has like a good affinity for the nervous system overall but specifically it has a great affinity with your spine which is something that i think is really useful especially for most of us that are like sitting too much at work or standing on hard surfaces all the time or you're just fucking 30 plus and your back just hurts because you exist in this world your back just hurts Um, this plant is actually particularly good at turning down an overly active nervous system or an overly reactive nervous system. So folks who get like irritated really easily or overwhelmed by incoming stimuli. And that's one of the things that, um, I've seen it recommended a lot for people with like ADHD for that, because it can kind of help like calm overstimulation, um, but also for people with anxiety disorders. So for me and a lot of people in my family, our anxiety can kind of manifest as being really irritable. Like things will like get under your skin really quickly. Skullcap is great for that. It's also like, I I think that sentiment is kind of represented by where it grows as well, right? Because you find it near babbling brooks. So it can kind of like calm that constant noise in your head that like monkey brain that's like constantly going Um, because a lot of like herbal systems use like natural environments as one of the ways that you can help identify what a plant has an affinity for if you don't exactly know off the top of your head because like Native Americans, like old folk herbalists, they didn't have fucking Google. So it's like, how did they figure it out? Well, this is an example. Um, You can also think things like aloe, it grows best in the hot sun. It's useful in treating burns. So it's like this idea of like where plants grow can either demonstrate the affinity it has or the condition that it's useful in treating. So I think that this is a good example of that with skullcap, the babbling noisy brook helping you calm down. Um, I actually I actually do really like that imagery because I am someone who goes to creeks to calm down. Yeah, you should, I think you would uh, I think you'd love some skullcap. Maybe I'll have to make you a skullcap tincture and send it to you. Ooh, I I would I would not say no to that. I would cool. not. But I'm I'm also over here like I'm going to the grocery store after this and I'm like maybe I I'm like maybe I should buy some skullcap from Whole Foods, but then I'm like that's probably what you're talking about when you say that uh big like brands of stuff are yeah. likely uh misidentified. Yeah, it's a lot of it I've seen is in supplements. I would say in my experience, and I could be wrong, but I've had really positive experiences with traditional medicinals teas. Oh, sure. Yeah, you know, it's like not quite as potent as getting like fresh herb, but like I think they do make a tea that has skullcap in it. And I feel like that's pretty trustworthy. Um, The great thing about this too, though, is it's also like a tonic. So it helps like 
nourish and support your nervous system as well when it's taken over time, which is why I want to make a tincture of it. Eric gets paid next week. We've been in that weird transition phase between jobs where we're like a little poor for a minute. Oh yeah. Um, but I'm excited to get some more skull cap cause I want to make a tincture. Um, and it's also like the other great thing about skull cap, especially for me as a Virgo is it nourishes and supports the nervous system, but also your digestive system because it's a mild, bitter digestive. Um, so again, like strong Virgo placements, it helps with like anxiety and digestion. And you'll, you'll find that most good nervines do also help with digestion because of that, like gut brain connection. It makes a lot of sense. Um, I've also read some suggestions again, like this, I'm not a doctor. Don't diagnose yourself with this, but I've read some suggestions for using in people with like Parkinson's or MS to help alleviate symptoms. Um, and I was just thinking for me is something that I get when my anxiety is like really bad. I get what they call internal tremors where it feels like parts of my body are vibrating, but I'm not physically moving. So that's part of why I want to make a good strong tonic with it too, because if that happens again, I want to try taking it because they say with a strong tonic, you can take it for kind of a, a pretty fast effect with skull cap in particular. Um, something that you do need to keep in mind though, is that this is a plant that loses potency pretty quickly. Even if you purchase it like dried from a reputable, reputable source and you store it perfectly it's really going to lose most of its potency after a year. So this is one that like, you just don't buy more than you need and like try and hoard it, you know, just like buy what you need, use it and replace it. Um, you can also like make tinctures with it, like I mentioned, but you need to use them within one to three years, which is actually pretty quick for a lot of tinctures because they're made using like 95% alcohol, but because skull cap can lose its potency, like there's, there's a pretty limited shelf life on it overall. Um, so to make a tea, which is what I do a lot with it, just use like one teaspoon of dried herbs per cup and you can drink one to three cups a day. Uh, for me at night, my favorite tea, like my go-to is a blend of skullcap, chamomile and passion flower. It's like amazing, really calming, sedative. I add some mugwort if I'm wanting to get my crazy dreams on. Um, but that's my my go-to blend. You can also make a tincture with it. Like I mentioned, using 95% alcohol, which is what I'm going to be doing. And maybe I'll send Nick a little bottle too. And you can let me know how it works. So on to the magic. Skullcap is a feminine plant associated with the water element, the planets Jupiter and Saturn and the zodiac sign Aquarius. Um, and in folk magic traditions, women would wear skullcap to keep their husbands faithful. So I guess that's like one to think about if you care. Uh, but in entering Hecate's garden, Cindy Brandon actually describes skullcap as androgynous and associated with Jupiter. But in Cunningham's Encyclopedia of Magical Herbs, it's described as feminine and associated with the planet Saturn. And I find the association with like both the planets Jupiter and Saturn as like a really great way to describe the kind of like magical push and pull that you get with Skullcap. And I'm going to like nerd alert real quick here, um, but there's this really cool scientific theory called the Grand Tack Theory that essentially hypothesizes that very early, early, early on in our solar system's formation, Jupiter was slowly like gravitating towards the sun and could have been caught in the sun's orbit where like about where Mars is today, they've actually found other like hot Jupiters and other solar systems because it's so large. Um, and if that had happened, earth probably wouldn't exist. And if it did, it wouldn't be like the planet full of life that we know today. Um, Jupiter would have 
kept going towards the sun, if not for being caught by the subsequent formation of Saturn, which began drifting in as well. And as the two giant planets came closer together, they were actually caught in an orbital resonance. And the resonance like expelled all of the gas between them, gradually reversing the death spirals and causing them to like tack back into the outer solar system. So as Jupiter reverses course and spirals back out into the outer solar system, it would have left behind like whiffs of volatile gas and like dregs of shattered rock. And only about 10% of the total material that Jupiter may have injected into the solar system would have been enough to form Mercury, Venus, Earth, and Mars. So its passage could have settled like a fraction of the dregs into more circular orbits and across the span of like 100 million to 200 million years, those like little volatile depleted dregs would then glom together to make like the relatively small inner planets we know today. Um, and that's consistent with like a wealth of other evidence suggesting that like inner rocker, rocky planets form significantly later than the outer giants. And it also helps explain why the sun's inner worlds are smaller and have thinner atmospheres than those observed around other stars. So I think that's really interesting because this is one of the places where I feel like the science really reflects what we see in astrology and in metaphysics, right? Oh, so like it's it's like Jupiter, there would be no you without Jupiter. Exactly. Like and that's really that's true regardless of which theory you look at. Yeah. And so we know that like Saturn's the great malefic, right? And like Jupiter is said to be the planet of optimism, expansion, healing, growth, miracles. Like Saturn is associated with restriction, responsibility, long-term lessons. Like there's this real push and pull between Saturn and Jupiter when you're looking in your chart. And there's also this like cosmic push and pull between them that impacts literally everything in our solar system. And the astrological stuff really impacts everything in our lives, right? So when you think about that and you think about the fact that Skullcap has been seen as associated with both of them, it makes sense that it has this like very dual spirited nature, right? Like it brings clarity to mind while also drowning out what no longer serves you. Um, and I just, sorry for like the tangent there, but like Jupiter and Saturn's relationship, I think is fucking fascinating. And it's, I love when the science really backs up the metaphysical in ways like that. Um, so Skullcap though has this like beautiful duality. It's also said to be an excellent binder, binding things, Saturn and Jupiter, them binding is the only fucking reason earth exists most likely. Um, and Cindy Brandon actually has a great spell for build, uh, bind, a binding poppet using Skullcap where the target is bound and then buried in like a coffin or a container. So they're effectively dead to you. Um, it's a type of magic that can be really healing for folks dealing with trauma. Um, or if you just like really have to move on from something, but this is very, very strong magic. Um, it's really intense. So please practice it very carefully if you choose to do so and do a lot of protection work for yourself, like before, during, and after. So you don't have boomerang effects. Um, binding is not something that I particularly practice, but I do understand how a spell like that could be really helpful for somebody. So again, just like practice a lot of protection. Um, skull cap is useful and work like that. Um, it's binding, like it's binding qualities though, also make it a great ally when you're working with like contracts, you know, like new jobs, if you want something to be like legally binding and making sure that it really holds together. Um, it's also like really good at helping you release fear, 
Right. And I think that's such a Jupiter mode about it, like releasing the fear into the universe. Um, and I think a lot of us are carrying trauma around money, which is why to me, I think Skullcap actually does make sense in money magic, because I think one of the best things for a lot of us is to like try and release that fear around money and around finances and build a healthier relationship with it just to make our lives better overall, because unfortunately we're not getting out of this capitalist hellscape anytime soon. So we have to work with money for the time being. So I think it'd be really useful for us to be able to like release the fear around that. Um, and again, it's like this duality kind of like comes up there, right? Because it's like, sometimes the best thing you can do for your finances is to release like your emotions around it. So you can really see things with a clear head. So it is that like Saturn, Jupiter, like you, sometimes you have to like deal with the bad stuff to really let the expanse happen. Um, but yeah, so you can use it like ground to dress a candle. If you're doing like money magic, you could also add it to, I think one of your prosperity bowls, I think skullcap would be good there. It also helps so much with like daily anxiety and like, I just, at least for me, I think as someone who did grow up poor, like money trauma is real. And that's something that I think I deal with a lot. And so Skullcap comes up a lot for me. Um, and as a binder, it is like a good additive to other spell work, right? And it does, I think, deserve a place in like your herbal witch kit. Um, it's all around like a fantastic plant to work with, like magically and for your health. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't add because it's so good at helping you release fears if you have nightmares, sleep sachet. Sleep, oh my God, it's time to drink y'all. She said, you have to take a drink. Um, but yeah, so I would just say like, I definitely suggest Skullcap, but again, like find a good reputable source. Don't just buy like Skullcap supplements online um, and give it a try. So my sources today, gardeningknowhow.com, traditionalmedicinals.com, grow your own herbal remedies by Maria Noel Groves and drink Hecate's garden by Cindy Brannon, herbal Marie podcast and herb Oracle podcast with Sadie Marie Cherico and scientific American. So what a, what a delight. Truly. Um, so thanks for bearing with me on that, like bit of a detour into the outer planets. Uh, but you know, I, I do love astrology and I, I always find it interesting when you start coming up with like different associations for something throughout different resources and different time periods and like seeing how they interact with each other. And this one was just like too good. Um, but moving on today, we're talking about the mommy y'all old Zeusy boys, the, bottom bitch. The mommy the mommy, Zeusy's bottom bitch, Hera. Um, Hera, otherwise known as the youngest daughter of the Titans Cronus and Rhea, and the sister wife of Zeus, because the gods are funny that way. Uh, she's also the queen of the Olympian gods, so kind of a big deal. Uh, she's known as the goddess of marriage and birth, as well as the sky, air, queenship and starry heaven uh the milky way is said to come from the breast of hera so it's like she's that's, kind of a big deal that's her titty milk y'all yeah the milky way is her titty milk and isn't that great yum yum drink it up <laughs> uh <laughs> and even though she's uh the goddess of marriage she is known to be the jealous type uh but mostly because zeus is kind of a dickhead to her often. and a cheater and a cheater yeah 
he uh she's like a little vengeful towards like the side chicks and offspring that old Zeusy boy loves so much um she's also not a stranger to turning her anger uh on mortals who pissed her off which we'll talk about a little bit when we talk about working with her um Hera is often portrayed like visually and artwork and statues as like kind of a matronly like but regal woman um well-dressed wearing the polos crown which is that kind of like tall cylindrical crown it started out in like the near east and then like the greeks kind of picked up that iconography and used it on their goddesses um she's also usually seen carrying a staff occasionally with a lotus-like flower at the tip uh, and a pomegranate or an opium poppy capsule so her chariot was also uh, depicted as pulled by peacocks, which is really dope. But I do have to add, those images only would have happened after Alexander the Great's Persian campaigns because those birds were totally not known before then. So a later edition, but still a pretty dope edition, even though peacocks sound like fucking mating cats, IRL. Oh my God. No, I used to work next to that park that has all the peacocks in West Austin. Yeah. And they, the sound they make is terrifying. Isn't it? It's horrible. Um, the cuckoo is her symbol from archaic times, the little cuckoo bird. Um, and the mythology suggests that Zeus came to her as a cuckoo and she made a pet of him as a warm up to his final seduction, which we'll also talk about in just a moment. Um, but even before she married Zeus, like Hera was a head bitch in charge, like in her own right, which I think is really important to point out. Like her marrying Zeus isn't how she got her power. Like, she was already fucking powerful. Even Zeus was afraid of Hera, which is totally fair. He should have been. She's um, like the she's like the Jackie O of goddesses. Truly, truly. She is like, she's the Nancy Reagan actually running things behind the scenes, even though the Reagans were awful. Nancy Reagan was totally in charge because Ronald Reagan was not mentally there for the last several years of his presidency. This is politics hour with Shannon. <laughs> um, so we've done we've done space, we've done politics. What is this podcast about? This is about my liberal arts degree and the way that I'm bringing it to you. Um, <laughs> so let's talk a bit about Hera. Um, I already told you guys she was the youngest daughter of Kronos and Rhea. And at that point in time, Kronos had made a really bad habit of eating his children once they were born, um, like you do. But years later, uh, Zeus gave Rhea this like herb mixture to give to Kronos. It was like, oh, this make you all powerful, Kronos. But it totally caused Kronos to puke up his now fully grown children. And Zeus eventually ended up chopping Kronos up into pieces with his own sickle. So say la vie. Uh, Zeus, after that, at some point, <laughs> asked Hera to be his wife. But she said, yeah, fuck no, because she knew all about his other like side chicks and his other wives. And he was just always doing the most and she wasn't interested. So Zeus being fucking Zeus and not understanding consent and how to take no for an answer, uh, made a thunderstorm and turned himself into a little disheveled cuckoo bird and then forced himself on Hera after she had decided to take pity on this bird. She cuddled it all up under her cloak, warmed it up. And then Zeus is like, bam, I'm Zeus. I'm taking advantage of you. Uh, and she married him to cover her shame. So their partnership had a great start. Right. Oh my, Definitely. I, yeah, really though, I'm like, just such low life tactics. It's like, yeah. she wants to help the bird and now you're sexually assaulting her. Yeah, Zeus is like the original fuckboy. Um, so- where, uh, It's like, where do you even learn that? You invent it. He invented it. He invented it. What a douche. So 
Hera then gives birth, birth to a Hephaestus, who was so ugly, she threw him off Mount Olympus, and he permanently damaged his legs when he landed on an island that then became his home. Not, uh, not uh, actually the only time Hera throws one of her children off of Mount Olympus. No, and as a pet parent, I've wanted to toss hexes off of a mountain before, so I get it. I would never do it. But that's the difference between me and Hera. The only one. But the, the only one. The only one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so cut to Zeus having an affair with Io and trying to hide it by creating a thick cloud cover over them because he's a fuckboy and he thinks that's enough. Hera's not an idiot though. And so she drops down to earth to find his fucking ass. And Zeus freaked out and turned Io into a white cow and hid her from Hera. But again, Hera's not an idiot, but she had pretended, she played dumb. She pretended she had no idea what was going on. And she was like, oh my God, Zeus, this is such a cute cow. Can I keep it? And Zeus had fucking painted himself into a corner and had to say yes. Uh, so Hera takes the cow back to Olympus, where Hera ties her to a tree and has Argos watch over her, uh, Argos with a hundred eyes. So eventually Zeus starts feeling really guilty that his side chick is like being you know, chained to a tree permanently by his wife. Uh, so he sent the sneakiest of gods, Hermes, to help set her free. So Hermes disguised himself as a shepherd and goes over to Argos, like playing music, like talking to him. And Argos is like, yeah, I'm fucking bored. I've been just like watching this cow tied to a tree for a long ass time. And then of course, Hermes decides to go into the most boring story of all time. He like, fucking just bored him to sleep so eventually all 100 of argos's eyes were asleep and then hermes touched i keep saying hermes like i'm trying my brain is trying to say hermes anyway um so and then hermes yeah the god of scarves yeah the, the god the, of the ancient scarves. the ancient greek god of scarves <laughs> um so hermes then touches each eye with his magical staff to keep them closed forever which is a nice way of saying he fucking killed him um so hermes then took cow Io back to her father but her father didn't recognize her because she was well a cow uh and then Io was crafty and like spelled her name out in the sand uh which seems easy because it's two letters um but her slow ass father finally caught on and like went to Zeus all pissed off and Zeus killed Io's dad with a thunderbolt because he was like not in the mood to be nice I guess to the father of his lover who he had turned into a fucking cow um Anyway, so finally, when Hera finds out that like Argos has been murdered by Hermes and Io is gone and she's like super fucking had it, right? So she sends a gadfly to chase the cow wherever she goes and continuously sting her. Uh, so Io ran all over Greece trying to get away from the fly and eventually ends up in Egypt where they worshipped this beautiful cow and she became an Egyptian goddess. So Hera finally has had like a minute to cool off or whatever. And she's like, fine, Zeus, you can turn her back into a human, but only if you promise to never look at her again. So he reluctantly agrees and he turns Io human, at which point she became the goddess queen of Egypt. So, you know, things didn't end too poorly for her. But there are a lot of other stories similar to this. Uh, Zeus impregnated uh, Leto with a set of twins. 
otherwise known as Apollo and Artemis, uh, and Hera cursed Leto to be shunned by all land. And so she wouldn't be able to find a place to have her babies and essentially would be stuck on the water and die, right? Uh, luckily, Poseidon, Hera's brother, had recently created a piece of land that wasn't attached quite yet to the earth. Uh, so loophole. Leto goes to that island to have the magical twins. Uh, Hera didn't let the grudge go, though, and tried to have Leto raped by a giant a few years later. But luckily, the twins took care of that one. Uh, Hera also found out that Zeus knocked up Semele, uh, a mortal princess. So she goes to the princess in the form of like an old woman. And she asks her like, what, what's up? Where's your baby daddy? You're all pregnant. And the princess is like, oh, it's because uh, he's Zeus. Duh. The baby daddy can't be here. He's a God. He's got important shit to do. So Hera convinces the princess that uh, if she's she wouldn't be able to really confirm that her baby daddy was actually Zeus unless he appeared to her in his full form. Uh, so Herod definitely like drives it home, convinces her. And when Zeus comes back, Smelly tricks Zeus into like promising her like one wish essentially that he has to grant. And she wished to see his true form. And Zeus tried to get her to change her mind, but she wouldn't. So he finally revealed his true self to her and she was instantly incinerated just like Hera wanted. Uh, and after that, Zeus had to pop down to Hades real quick and take his son Dionysus and give him to Hermes, who then took him to be raised by Maenads, far, far away from Hera. Uh, and now Zeus also had a hell of a double standard, which like we have to point out here, right? Ixion once tried to have an affair with Hera. Uh, and Zeus molded a cloud shaped like Hera. And when Ixion showered it with affection, Zeus sent him away on a fired wheel so you know it's not like zeus was into the idea of an open marriage which would have been cool he's just it, se it seems like an easy answer doesn't it it's like you know <clears throat> let your wife have her own little side piece that would be too easy um so she i i know there's like a lot of different stories it goes on and on i feel like these two do kind of like paint a pretty clear picture of the hero we know from greek mythology I do have to like briefly mention she plays a super substantial role in the Iliad where her hatred of the Trojans is seen through her very, very intense support of the Greeks during the war, uh, which was all started because of like Paris, this shepherd decided that Aphrodite was the most beautiful goddess. It's the story that includes like a wedding, a golden apple and Zeus not wanting to make a fucking decision. So yeah, that happened. Uh, so why might you want to work with Hera? in your practice, you might ask. Um, as the goddess of marriage and birth, she is a protector of women, particularly those going through like pretty massive rites of passage, right? She's also known though for punishing husbands, which is something she seems to know a thing or two about. Um, she also, though, you can look at it as her being like a protector of honor, right? Which is, I think, really obvious through her stories, even if she doesn't handle it in the kindest way. I've actually read, like, in a few places, like, some more modern interpretations of her trying to, like, basically paint her as a, a woman who was just, like, trying to protect her position and her children's inheritance, like, especially in this, like, uber patriarchal time. Um, you know, there's no girl power in these stories. Um, the Spice Girls wouldn't exist for another 4,000 years. I know. Uh, so, you know, there's something to that. But again, Hera's like real mad a lot. Um, so as the queen of the gods, though, you could also call on her to like empower you and increase your magical potential. Um, 
A few like modern witches also kind of use her as a bit of like a patron deity, because if you're like a woman or identify as a femme, you know, she is kind of like the most powerful woman in Greek mythology. Um, she is still like a really, 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 really powerful deity though. Uh, so I recommend proceeding with caution, especially as we mentioned, she has a track record of fucking up mortals who offend her. So humans, she doesn't just fuck with gods. She straight up like tries to get people raped by giants. So, you know, uh, proceed carefully. But if you do want to honor her, the dove, snake, dragon, cow, and peacock are all sacred to her. So those symbols would be perfectly at home on a Hera altar. You can also make offerings of pomegranate, honey, flowers, or perfume. She also loves lilies and poppies. So you can have those on your altar or find perfumes scented with lily and poppies for uh, an extra bonus on your offerings to her. Um, and finally, she's associated with the colors yellow and gold. So you can incorporate those colors uh, with like an altar cloth or even a nice piece of pyrite. So, well, uh, so the theme of this episode was definitely pyrite. Right. Uh, so my sources today were Britannica, GreekGodsAndGoddesses.net, Wikipedia.com, and SacredWicca.com. Um, I know it's kind of short, but it's like with Hera, we could do like a series. We, we really could do like a whole series on like Hera and Zeus's bad relationship. Yeah. On like their like TLDR don't. Um, <laughs> but we're getting close to the end and this is like a Shannon sode. So I drew the tarot today as well. And I drew a card for our little fishies, the Pisces babes. And this is actually like, quite the draw because this morning I was doing my like personal tarot reading that I do like most mornings. And as I was shuffling three cards popped out and this card was in there. And then I proceeded to like do my intensive shuffle, get Pisces and then draw this card again. Uh, and for all of our pretty fishies, I have drawn the curandera of water, which is represented by seaweed. Doesn't that bath look lovely? It, it really does. Um, I want to go to there. Yeah, this card, you see um, a bath that has seaweed in it and a woman is like pouring a kettle of hot water into it and there are yellow candles everywhere. Someone's worshiping Hera. Right. Um, It's it's a really beautiful card. There's also a figurine of a mermaid back there. She's hanging out. She's just chilling and some shells. So um, this is like... Uh, the the reading I did this morning was really like all about telling me to like tap into my Piscean moon. So clearly I feel like then getting this card again after I had drawn Pisces was like, hey, pay attention. Um, so this card, my pretty fishies, it is represented by seaweed, which is like a perfect Pisces plant in general. Um, but the curandera of water is like a potent reminder to you guys that you are of the sea, like in a deep metaphysical way too. Like Humans all came from the sea first and foremost. So like you can really learn a lot about yourself by like reveling in the depths of your emotions. I feel like Scorpio gets all of the credit for being like the watery depths, but I think there's so much of that in Pisces too. You know, Pisces is the last sign of the Zodiac. You're kind of like the culmination of everything that came before. So there's a lot of that, a lot of that like deep watery intuitive energy. Um, So like, don't hide from that. You know, there's a lot in modern society that kind of tells you that that's like the weaker part of you. The emotions are weak. The intuition is not important. It's all very like, solar energy, but don't hide from your watery essence. Like 
get in flow with it, right? When you're like seaweed, you can like move back and forth and like weather, you know, all sorts of like hurricanes and storms and whatever life throws at you. Um, and Pisces, y'all are like really natural at like riding the waves of life. So like make time for daily rituals that help connect you to water and water magic, like wash away your stresses and turmoil with magical baths, tap into natural cycles by like celebrating with the moon and her monthly cycle, maybe doing some moon magic, making some moon water to incorporate into your practice. Because when you're in this flow and you're really tapped into that like deep intuition that exists inside of you, you also are able to like invite others to join you. So it's like when you get into that, like you can also become like a great healer and wise counsel for the other people in your life and people you love. When you're like connected to your deepest truth, like it really does become this like sort of like beautiful aura that resonates and like invites other people in. So do what you do best, fishies, like dive in deep. We love you and we're proud of you. lovely also yeah. for everyone out there that doesn't know i'm a sidereal pisces so uh, sometimes i'm like i could be a pisces if you i could would be a pisces if i wanted to i love that um yeah so that's that's the bitter end today um i mean as a reminder mousy bear mousy bear hit us up at, hit us up get your get your free tarot reading otherwise we're gonna redraw um you guys uh keep sending in some reviews you Rate, know review subscribe do the thing yeah uh get on the patreon uh which is what patreon.com slash wands and fronds pod i know if i, rec- if I recall correctly you do we're uh, wands and fronds pod everywhere we're at wands and fronds pod on instagram you can email us at wands and fronds pod at gmail.com you can support us and get to watch the video so you can see all of my delightful show and tell by joining patreon.com slash wands and fronds pod catch a glimpse of my bedroom. Yeah, um, you can see a Shannon uh, artwork original. Yeah, yeah, the painting behind me, the one um, with all the, the balls, uh, Shannon's famous painting of balls. <laughs> my, my balls, <laughs> Shannon's balls on uh, Nick's wall. Um, anyway, I guess- I'll never get rid of this painting, by the way. No, like well, one, I- one day I will put it in an actual frame. Yeah. And still not there yet, but one day. I found a I found a little painting that you did of a Japanese cherry blossom that I need to frame. I found it. Oh my god, of my the one the one that used to be on your fridge. Yeah, yeah, I found it. I do still have it. I had like, no, put it the, away. The one that I copied from the Arizona iced tea can. Yes, it's beautiful. It's uh, beautiful. <laughs> Artwork is important. Um, but yeah, I guess what do we say to all of our like money making bay highs? <laughs> Bitches out there. Oh my God. Blessed be you, Bayhive witches. Oh my God. Blessed be Bayhive bitches. Bye now. Money, please. Money, please. Money, please.